Thanks for listening to the Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to RockAuto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write Corolla in the How Did You Hear About Us? So that is Corolla, C-A-R-O-L-L-A, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know we sent you an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Saving starts with Xfinity. Get a great price on Xfinity Internet. Plus, ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back when you add Xfinity Mobile. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Author Sebastian Younger, who wrote uh, a lot of great books and done a lot of great reporting and uh, also wrote uh, The Perfect Storm. He's going to come in and tell us uh, how life works. Or zoom in, I should say. And then we got uh, we got the news coming up as well. An Arizona family, let me tell you about LifeLock first. An Arizona family was surprised with a change of address notification they did not request. It was an attempt to steal their mail and access personal info to steal their identity. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft <clears throat> are affecting our lives every day. We put our info at risk on the Internet in an instant, cyber criminals could harm your finances and credit. Good thing there's a LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert and you'll have access to a dedicated restoration specialist. It's LifeLock, right, Dawson? No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours, yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by using promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use promo code ADAM for 25% off. Do you want to be a part of Adam's next book? Is this a joke? Submit your questions for Ask an Asshole by emailing them to asshole at adamcarolla.com. Please include your name, age, and location. Ask about any topic you need the ace man's advice or answers on. That's A-S-K-H-O-L-E at adamcarolla.com. Well, Sebastian Younger has joined us. His book is called Freedom. It's available now on Amazon. And um, it's a very interesting endeavor. We should, we should uh, get into that. Good to see you, Sebastian. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. So let's uh, go through Freedom. You and two or three other friends sort of embarked on a journey. Yeah, they were, they were guys that had all been in combat. We'd all been in combat. Um, Two of them were soldiers, actually. And uh, this is years ago. But we, we walked along the railroad lines from Washington, D.C. We we're headed to New York and we got to Philly and we decided to head west instead and we, uh, for Pittsburgh. 
And um, so we walked about 400 miles along the railroad lines, which is this sort of weird no man's land uh, that cuts these swaths across America. You know, we were sleeping under bridges and, and in abandoned buildings, and we didn't have a tent or anything, just a tarp and, and uh, cooking over fires and getting our water out of creeks and dodging the police. And over four, as I say in the book, over 400 miles, you know, every night we were the only people who knew where we were. And there's many definitions of freedom, but but surely that's one of them. And uh, yeah, it was an extraordinary trip. Did you embark on the journey with the intent of writing the book, or was this just something no, you we, wanted to try? We just did it to to do it. You know, like it it, it uh, the railroad lines cut straight through the middle of America, straight through straight through the middle of everything. The the um, you know, the ghettos and the farms and the rich suburbs and everything. And uh, we wanted to get, we wanted to encounter America and encounter ourselves. We were, you know, we were carrying 60, 70 pounds. And, um, you know, we were going through some dodgy areas. Someone, someone shot at us in Pennsylvania, uh, in Delaware. The cops were looking for it. Or Maryland? Maryland. The cops were looking for us with a helicopter. Um I mean, it was an odd, odd trip, and uh, we ha- we were become completely sort of uh, inter reliant on each other. And what did you learn? Well, it, it, that that freedom's hard won. I mean, you know, we we were carrying everything we we were free because we were carrying everything we needed on our backs, and we were staying out of sight of the authorities and anyone who would um, prevent us from sort of like going where we wanted. And we were walking, uh, you know, 10, 15 miles a day. Once we did 40 and 40, 40 miles and 40 hours, <laughs> you know, basically broke ourselves physically. Uh, but we were sort of in control of our own destiny. And we could only do that because we were completely dependent on each other for all the sort of tasks we needed for survival. And that, to me, that's a sort of miniature version of this nation. Like, none of us would survive more than a few days by ourselves. In na- humans die immediately in nature when they're by themselves. Um, but we thrive when we're in a group. And Americans have chosen to be in a group of 330 million. And uh, that does not come free of obligation. And, and that's where the great conversation starts about what constitutes our rights and what constitutes freedom and what constitutes a, a government that's too controlling. You know, in a in a very on a very small scale, there there is a mindset which I always have, which is if you travel around like I do and you do shows and you end up in Naples, Florida or Appleton, Wisconsin or somewhere like that, um, you, there's always the Saturday. Saturday day is the day you have nothing going on. You do two shows Friday night, you roll in late Friday to do the shows, and then you got to leave Sunday morning. But Saturday day, where Oklahoma City, wherever I'm at, you walk around alone and you realize this isn't my town. I have nowhere to go. I don't know anybody. I'm just walking through as kind of an observer mm-hmm. of what goes on in Appleton, Wisconsin. This this will go on when I leave, and it was going on before I got here, but I'll, I'll sort of observe it now. There's a feeling that's different. It's much different than being in your own, on your own turf, like usually with some purpose. Like, I got to go get my hair cut, then I'm going to go do the Gelsons, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm going to go back home. It's a weird feeling. I would recommend it highly. It's, it's not the extreme that you experience, but just that little safe three-hour version of it. 
it's interesting. You're walking around and you realize no one really knows you or cares that you're there. You feel sort of autonomous and you're just observing. And it's an interesting experiment. Yeah, I mean, we, no, no one knew where we were, right, for 400 miles. And we were it was a it was an extended version of what you're talking about. We were completely unaccountable to anybody. Uh, we were accountable to reality. And, you know, it's easy to get hit by a train and killed. Uh, we were accountable to uh, being hungry and cold and wet and tired and having the cops look for us or whatever. Like um, we ran into a motorcycle, ga- a criminal motorcycle gang north of Wilmington and had a little touch and go moment with them. You know, we uh, whatever, all kinds of things happened. But we were not accountable to another person. And that's um, that's pretty intoxicating. You know, about 10,000 years ago, humanity reached this sort of fork in the road and some societies start became agricultural societies. They started planting uh, grains and crops and they became quite wealthy and sedentary. And, and people in those societies were very easily controlled because once you had fields, you couldn't just leave if the, if the ruler was oppressive, right? Mm -hmm. Some societies remain nomadic and under the control of no one except themselves and they are typically nomadic societies are typically uh, much poorer, materially poorer, but they're freer. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that 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 sort of like ancient decision. Do I want to have more like security, physical security around me and less freedom? Or do I want to be mobile and poor and and uh, totally autonomous? And that, you know, that's true for individuals as well as for societies. That reminds me, and you may know, if you know about it, I promise you know more than I do. But many, many years ago when I was in Israel and we're kind of doing the tourist thing and you see these people sort of on the side of the road doing their own thing and they dress different and they seemed almost like they didn't even realize there was a world going on around them and it was the Bedouins. and. And I'm, again, if you know about it, you know more than yeah. I do. But it's so interesting to have these these members of society who aren't members of society, mm. members right. of your society. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and you know, nomadic um, societies like the Bedouin can coexist with farmers very, very well, mm-hmm. because typically they use the poorer land mm-hmm. to graze their sheep. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, farmers use better land. So they, they're not necessarily in conflict. But what's really interesting is that uh, mobile societies typically really look down on their, their, their wealthier sedentary counterparts, which is odd because usually the poor don't look down on the wealthy, right? And if, if anything, it's the other way around. But there's so much you can – freedom comes with mobility um, to such a degree that there's this odd sort of arrogance by the mobile. And, and so there was a, there was a tribe – in a mobile tribe, a nomadic tribe in northern Iran, I think it was, uh, called the Yamut. And they had this saying, this song. Um, it was, I do not have a mill with willow trees. In other words, I'm not a farmer. I do not have a mill with willow trees. I have a horse and quirt, quirt being a whip. I have a horse and quirt. I will kill you and go. It was just incredible arrogance that they looked down at the like wealthy sedentary valley dwellers that you know, overnight these guys would be gone, and, um, and 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 sedentary societies have a sort of interesting insecurity about themselves, even though they're they're wealthier. And you know, even today, you know, we have a tendency to sort of look at mobile groups like motorcycle gangs and sort of romanticize them a little bit, 
even though they, you know, they, they, they can't possibly have the wealth that a sedentary person has because they have to move it around all the time. Well, so how does this apply to our sort of modern society or Western society? Because I've se- I was talking to someone the other day, and I just said I love a road trip. Like, I, let's we don't need to fly to Phoenix. Let's drive to Phoenix, like in air conditioning, <laughs> not with a tarp over our head like you. But what I'm saying is, is I do believe there's something in everyone who's got a little wanderlust and who likes the road trip and likes to take off on the motorcycle or the mountain bike or whatever it is. I think we can all agree that no one really wants to hang out with the person that's just binge watching my 90 day fiance (laughs) and never, never leaving the apartment. On the other hand, it can hit an extreme where it's hard to nail these people down in a relationship or a job ramblers. Or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're rambling men. What, what do you think the balance is? I know it's different from individual to individual, but I, I feel like maybe we're doing a little too much binge watching these days. And then there's another side of society that's just going to. A large group of people hanging in, binge-watching, and then a smaller group saying, I'm going to go hike the John Muir Trail. Well, you know, we're um, uh, humans are we're social primates, so we, we need to be in groups um, to, be, to feel secure and happy. Uh, and, um, and we're adapted for movement, right? I mean, I, I mean humans' ability to move over, to cover ground is absolutely extraordinary. Um, the, the, the thousand-mile world world running record is 10 days. Wow. Math on that's pretty easy, right? Averaging 10 miles a day. Um, extraordinary ability. Wait, wait, obviously 100, 100 miles. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I say 10. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's my math for you. 100, mile, 100 miles a day, right? Um, so, so the, you know, obviously we're adapted for movement. And when we don't use things that we're adapted for um, in terms of our health and our, and our um, state of minds, we're, we don't do very well. And so, you know, what I would say is that sort of um, mobile, that that taste we have for mobility is an ancient one. And um, and it's an important one to um, I don't want to say indulge. It's an important one to exercise. Right. Literally and figuratively. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it makes sense. Like you said, as a species, we're supposed to be in groups. And like you said, you know, you were doing this trip and you couldn't have done it alone. But I'm wondering with that particular group uh, that's always together and has to work together and is going for as long as they're going and you don't know what where you're going was there anything that stood that stood out to you as the sort of something that got kind of fraught or something it, whether it was irritating or even dangerous from somebody else that you really had to uh, you know pull yourself back before you killed this person uh, we never got to that point I mean of course there's tensions and frictions in a small group, any kind of group. Um, if you're as tired as we were, mm-hmm. um, there isn't a lot of room for irritation. Right. Um, and, you know, we all needed, you know, the tasks, you know, people had to get what we had to get water, fire, firewood. We were, you know, in the winter we were, you know, it was 15 degrees out and we didn't have any shelter. Right. And, and, uh, and what was interesting is that we would pass it, it, for some reason it was always, always men, but we would pass men and they would say, it's happened several times. I would say, listen, Give me 20 minutes. I'll be back with all my gear. I want to go with you guys. They wouldn't know us from Adam. I mean, we'd see them on the railroad track. It's a fight club situation. Yeah, Yeah, like in the middle of the winter. Like, what is it about four guys you don't know walking down railroad tracks in midwinter that makes you think, 
I got to get with those guys. <laughs> I got to like, be a part of this. I got to be a part of that. It's very, very appealing. And so, you know, basically the deal was you do what needs to be done for the group to, to survive and be comfortable or you're not part of the group. Right. And in exchange, if you're struggling, like one time we were walking through 115 degree heat index, it was just unbelievably hot. And one guy really started to struggle. And um, another one of us uh, took his pack. So now he's got two packs, 60 plus 60, plus 60 120 pounds on his back maybe a minimum 100, but that's a big load in a, on a 100-degree day. Um, but but we everyone in the group knew that anyone else would help them if they possibly could. And that sort of reciprocal arrangement to um, have each other's back is, is typical of a platoon in combat. Mm. Uh, it's typical of our human ancestors. It's how small groups survive in the wild. And so what's, what's interesting mm. is that your safety, and, and because your safety, your freedom comes from being in that group, but it's also the thing that you owe that you owe the most to. You might even owe it your life, which obviously is not a form of freedom. So that's the that's the eternal human balancing act. Well said. What do you think about what's going on politically? It feels in terms of freedom. It feels like government is getting big fast. That's how it feels to me. And I'm not a fan of it, but tell us your perspective on it. Um I mean, big, you mean in terms of expenditure, I guess. Yeah, I I just mean in general. I mean, I guess it's just living in California and coming off all the mandates and lockdowns and all the rules and all the regulations. It just it feels like overreach to me. It feels like things sped up in the last 18 months. You know, we covered more. I, I feel I feel like if you if you if you're looking at a, a chart of sort of government and overreach and rules and freedom, we covered more in the last 15 months than we'd made up in the last 15 years. That's at least that's my California perspective. Yeah, I mean, listen, crises, crises in every society, crises engender rules. Um, the, the 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 group, the organizing group. Um, the people in charge of the group, whether it's a platoon or a country, come up with rules that they think will keep the, 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 the group safe. And they may be wrong. You may disagree with them, but that's how groups function. So, you know, during World War II, there was a blackout order in New York City. Right. I mean, I, I knew a guy whose job was to, like, knock on people's doors. They get them to turn out their, their lights at night because they were afraid of being bombed by the Germans. Right. You had to turn out your lights. Mm. Right. So that so and that's because World War Two was a huge crisis. And, and so any, you know, anytime a hurricane hits an area or a tornado immediately uh, sort of rules by consensus or actual regulations are imposed to sort of like keep people safe. The mask mandates, you know, were they excessive or not? I'm not a doctor, but I can't answer that. But what, what I'll say is that the that, that kind of reaction by by the group is like pretty typical um, you know, people on life rafts wa- ration water, you know, and that's done by the group uh, to keep the group alive. So uh, there is recourse through the courts in a democracy. There's recourse through the courts and, and through the ballot box. And, you know, that's one of the great things about a democracy is you actually don't have to shoot it out with pistols. You can you can mm-hmm. go to the courts or you can just vote the vote the bastards out. So to answer your question about government, I mean, I think we're in a pretty horrible moment uh, where politicians are acting very, very cynically and putting their own personal interests ahead of the country. And I think the whole damn lot of them should walk along the railroad lines for 400 miles. And when they get to Pittsburgh, I think they'd have some respect for each other and they'd probably be more collaborative. Or maybe a train will just hit them. Be nice. yeah, that's, 
and we'll get out of this. Well, it's funny you guys had that conversation or that question because I was having a concurrent thought at the same time when you mentioned early in the interview rights and freedoms as it pertains to the group and responsibility of the one to the whole, et cetera, et cetera. We just came off of a whole, you said, 15 months of people complaining that their freedoms are being trampled because they couldn't go into, I don't know, a bar or they couldn't shop at Trader Joe's without wearing a mask. And it's like, well, you have responsibility to the group. Whether you like it or not, That's we can have that debate, but it's it's the it's the conflating of rights and freedoms. Well, the- yeah, yeah. I mean, they they use they misuse the word. I mean, I mean, I think George Bush started that. Maybe he didn't start it, but he definitely participated. in it. he said, you know, Al Qaeda hates our freedoms, mm. and and he put the plural on the word, which is sort of a little a little grotesque. But you know, Al Qaeda didn't hate our freedom. They wanted us to stop collaborating with Israel and wanted us out of Saudi Arabia. Like our freedom is granted. Mm. We granted ourselves our freedom. It has nothing to do with Al Qaeda, right? And so, but but the thing about that word is that it's one of these eternal human values, right? I mean, it's one of the few sure. things people will die for. And people will die to defend their community, and they will die to protect their children, and they will die to maintain their autonomy, to maintain their freedom. So, as soon as someone throws the re- word freedom out there, they think that. Everyone else will be like, oh, yeah, right. You're, you're fighting for your freedom. We'll back off. Like, you know, we, like, we get it. Actually, what people are talking about is their rights and their rights are granted by the group to the individual. You know, you do not have the freedom to drive on the left hand side of the road. You just don't. Right. Adam. I mean, you can tr- well, you can try. You can I try. had to do it momentarily today, but there was a truck blocking me. No, I yeah, here's but, here's how yeah. I, I would answer Brian's question or assertion this way as someone who's done a lot of building. Um, when you build and you have to pull a permit, then you have to deal with a bunch of codes. Mm-hmm. And nobody says no codes make sense. There's always a lot that are sort of steeped in reality. Sure. They come in and they go, we need you to do this thick a rebar and this deep a footing. It's usually a little overkill, but there's a bunch of that. Um, then there always be a few that are just overreach. Like mm-hmm. there's no reason to do it. It's not about safety. It's a, it's a code. It doesn't make sense. So when you're talking to the person, you're kind of going, I'll do X, Y, and Z. That all makes sense to me. But you're then saying I need a third staircase when I only need two and it doesn't make sense to me, which is walking on the beach with a mask. So that's I think that's where the problem comes. And that's where the intricacies and nuance of society start to happen. And that's that's there's where the argument sort of sort of come in. Right. And there's, and, you know, there's the I mean, I don't know if you can be ticketed for not wearing a mask on the beach, but it's possible that if you were and you went before the judge, the judge might be reasonable and say, you know what, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it's, I mean, laws change. Right. And you can get a variance for codes. I mean, there is a process for contesting things that that we as a people feel are unfair. There actually is a process for it. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to I mean, I've, who hasn't sat at a red light at two in the morning while no cars are going in the other direction? Right. And just thought this is how it's done. And right now, there's no reason to stay here. But Oh, oh interesting. Come Very on. Interesting that he pulled out at that moment. I uh, I would argue <laughs> a drive through those red lights. <laughs> That's if exactly. There is no yeah, reason yeah. why you should be there. Then yeah. then do it. I I've now expanded my left turn driving <laughs> repertoire to going through 
those. We'll see if we can get Sebastian back. You'll be happy to know we did that last night with Tessa in the car driving home from La Quinta. There was a blight that was clearly, we'd heard from, from the locals. It was defective, right? It wouldn't turn mm-hmm. green. The light was on Jefferson going north. The light was red for something like five minutes, an absurd amount of time. And those cars backed up and Christy, to our credit, pulled into the left turn lane, went around the cars and threw nice. the lights. Good girl. Badass. Um, all right, well, here's something out of left field uh, that I was thinking about when I was watching The Partridge Family. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm obsessed with, like, 70s hair movement, and mm-hmm. we always talk about, like, Keith's hair got really yeah, long, and he'd be like, hey, do it, 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 any excuse to move the hair, like, yeah. he'd be standing in the kitchen, and his mom would walk in and go, hi, Keith, and he'd whip around in <laughs> slow motion, like, if I'm standing at the sink, and my mom walked in, I'd go, hi, Chris, and yeah. I'd continue doing what I was right. doing, but I wouldn't whip it around, so hair's moving, mm-hmm. Lori was, like, flipping her hair mm-hmm. in all time, and I thought, a lot of the hair dressing a lot of the the styles were there for movement purposes but then i started thinking about this my um for some reason uh my mom i don't know why i guess she's old she sent me some picture that her helper found of me when i was 25 and i just got a haircut earlier that day but i had the same haircut but i thought to myself what decade did hair change the most? Now, you can go from 50s. Everyone had the pomade and the mm-hmm. stuff. It doesn't feel like the 40s changed that much to the 50s. It's going to be hard to beat the 60s, dude. Like the early 60s were pretty much still the 50s. I got, got to tell you, though, but pull out some of those early 90s, late 80s mm. chick. Every chick looks like Bon Jovi, right. like crazy. Giant bangs. Giant hair. And then I thought... Um, Never less than the last decade, from 2010 to 2020. That's a zero burger. There's zero. Is that the only? I I remember big changes from the 70s to the 80s, the 80s to the 90s. -hmm. Zero. Even even. um, We talk about Ryan Seacrest and frosted tips and stuff. And then there's messy bedhead. Look. Uh, did anyone change anything from 2010 to 2020? And then what does that say about us? Mm. What does it say that we're not conforming, that we're not going along? Sebastian, you back on with us? I'm, I'm on. I'm so sorry. My Wi-Fi just completely died. That's like, all right. I don't right. know what happened. That's fine. We, we'd moved the, on to talking about hairstyles. <laughs> the, the, the government obviously didn't like what I was yeah. talking about. Yeah, I know. Just about yeah. variants and said, no thanks. Very coincidental. <laughs> can, can we talk about uh, Perfect Storm or The Perfect Storm? Oh, of course, yeah. Anything you want. Well, first things first. Uh, Brian and I both very much enjoyed that movie. Gina probably didn't see it. Otherwise, she would have enjoyed it as Correct. well. Um, I love, Thank I'm you. a sucker for those kind of big storm movies, whatever. I love Master and Commander and it's movies, a very good movies movie. like that. Very good. We were playing our Rotten Tomatoes game a few months back and we're surprised that it was in the 50s or the 60s. It was like low for what, in the what? Um, we're going to write it down. 47. Yeah, I remember which I being thought, about 50. Yeah. What? Uh, and I know you didn't, you wrote the book. You didn't, you didn't direct the movie, but, um, thoughts and then and how did the whole idea come to you uh well I, you know i was living in the town of gloucester i was a high climber for tree companies and uh 
you know, which can be dangerous. If you make a mistake, it definitely can be dangerous. And I did make a mistake. I, I hit my back of the leg with a chainsaw. I was up in the top of a tree on a rope, and um, I, I whacked my leg with a chainsaw and tore it up. And I was sort of limping around Gloucester in the, the fall of 91. And... Um, Thinking about my future, I wanted to be a writer. I didn't, you know, I didn't quite know how to make that happen. And this huge storm hit, and it sank a local boat named the Andrea Gale. And afterwards, I thought, oh, maybe I'll write about dangerous jobs. And I got hurt doing a dangerous job. Maybe I'll write about dangerous jobs, and I'll write about the Andrea Gale and what happened in the town of Gloucester with this big storm. And um, so I, you know, I put together a proposal and and sent it out. And while I was waiting, I went off to Bosnia to cover the civil war, and I was in Sarajevo in 1993. I, you know, I thought maybe if the, if I can't sell a book, maybe I'll be a war reporter. I mean, I was really lost. I mean, I was really gra- gra- grabbing at straws at that time. And and you know, and I came back from Sarajevo because I I managed to sell the the book as a country as a you know sell the contract. It's interesting. You're like, I need to do something that's more dangerous than tree topping <laughs> with a chainsaw. Maybe I go to Sarajevo. Yeah, not a ton more choices yeah. after that. So I have to know yeah. then the question I've had for sadly since I saw the movie: How did you piece together the uh, the events of what happened? Oh, well, I just interviewed uh, everyone I could about generally about fishing. I interviewed everyone else who was out there on other boats in that area for what the conditions were like. I looked at the radio transmissions. I talked to the Coast Guard. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, there were, you know, starting with some hours before they sank, there was just, just a, um, a hole. There's just no information. So, you know, the way I filled that as a journalist was, I had other people talk, other people who knew what they were talking about, like other fishermen talk about what it was probably like on that boat. So I would just quote them as saying, yeah, they were probably going through this or that and wave heights were 60 feet. So I've been through that once. And when it went, you know, that height, that kind of wave height, this is what happens. And so it was all, you know, I've never fictionalized because I'm a journalist, obviously, but, but um, by talking about to other people, I was able to sort of fill in uh, what, what was likely to have happened for those guys. Um, and then can we explain why it's under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes? Did you, <laughs> did you enjoy the movies? We did. I haven't seen it since it came out. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it's a big epic Hollywood film and, uh, you know, with all the pros and cons that come with that. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Well, sorry. Or you're welcome. <laughs> I, I don't know which way it should should. Should be, but uh, yeah, it was very, very enjoyable film. Um, So have you always had this kind of relationship with danger where you wanted to kind of put yourself into those vulnerable situations in order to feel a certain way? Because it seems to be a, a theme of your life. Well, you know, I think people that do dangerous jobs are doing them not to have a feeling, I, you know, I think it's because that, that work is, um, can be fairly well paid that the climbing that I did was, was really well paid. And, uh, I mean, for me at that time, it was like easy money, uh, you know, and fishing, you know, fishing for a lot of offshore fishermen, they can mm-hmm. make pretty big money doing that. Um, that's why guys go to Alaska, you know, logging. I mean, all those professions, like, I mean, you're not going to be a millionaire, but it's, you know, it's definitely more money than working at the corner store. And, so that's there's a huge appeal in that, but also the the uh, in a situation where you're at risk, it brings out your highest capabilities because you're trying to safeguard yourself and and being utilized at that level always feels good to people. And so I think particularly for young people, young men, like 
that that state, that sort of like critical state where they got to be on point, like on top of it to get through this. Okay, whether they're 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 a soldier or logging or commercial fishing or whatever it may be, that's um, there can be something a little bit intoxicating about that. Yeah, I I agree, and no, I I understand you get paid more to do more dangerous jobs, but some people just won't do them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're willing to do them. And then also in the the book Freedom, I mean, you guys taken a, um, was it a four, how many, how long was the, the track? Miles? 400 miles? with 400 you know, miles, yeah. With, yeah. Uh, you know, juice boxes and uh, tarps. I mean, that, it just seems like, seems pretty self-imposed to me. I just didn't know what your relationship with danger was. Yeah, I mean, mostly it was hard, you know, like, I mean, we were, we were walking with 60, 70 pounds, and we were walking 10, what, plus miles a day, 15, 20, something, you know, whatever. Mostly it was really hard. There were some moments of danger or stress, but um, look, I mean, as humans, we're wired for that, right? I mean, we evolved in a very dangerous, difficult world, and, you know, if, if anything, you know, affluent, wealth, wealthy society produces incredibly high rates of mental illness. Uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, suicide, you know, that you don't really don't see those rates in hunter-gatherer societies, even in poorer societies. And, and so, you know, there's there's something to be said for all that um, ease, uh, but it comes with costs. And it's sort of surprising that people aren't happier in a safe, um, comfortable environment, but they're actually not particularly happy. I was talking to Dr. Drew about this recently, and we're trying to figure it out, which is some alarming number of 60% of men, maybe men or men and women, but maybe men between like 18 and 34 say they have depression or mm-hmm. say they have emotional, you know, they're on the spectrum to something. And I was like, that's an alarmingly high rate of young people. When I was 23, no one discussed how they felt. Unless they were horny, <laughs> or hungry, they would honk. Yeah, but they were like yeah. honk if they were horny. Like <laughs> it was like I don't know. It was a kind of a weird luxury item to sit around and explain that you're on the spectrum of something. It was more like we just we want to have fun, or we're, we want to fuck, or we want to sleep. Like it, it just wasn't well, discussed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think social media has helped people's states of mind much. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things going on. I, you know, I think also society has decided that one's own state of mind is of interest. Yes. And so, that, that, so you, know, uh, you know, basically what you're saying. But I also think that modern society is extremely stressful for people. I mean, so something like 50% of teenage girls suffer from anxiety. 50? 5 zero. That's insane. Right. Well, right? keep in mind and, that uh, well, the, the tennis player withdrew from the French Open. Please don't burn yeah. another story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so for many mental health news. reasons. And that, that had Twitter very divided. Yeah. Well, it's also, I think it's going to be hard to get accurate data because Drew was saying, wow, can you believe this alarmingly high amount of people that are having mental issues? Right. And I said, but it's now in vogue to talk about it's it's right up there with uh having a lesbian affair with your roommate in college these things were unspoken now people are bragging about everything yes. it's hard to tell what how what percentage of women had a lesbian night well we don't yeah. know because nobody, know. nobody knows well and that's i've mentioned that here before growing up having you know anxiety and depression and a lesbian was, affair thank you was incredibly shameful to the family and we did not talk about 
about these things. And we made up all kinds of excuses why Gina couldn't leave the house. And who knew, you know, a scant how many years later, like, there's a million podcasts about it. So who, how, yeah, go ahead, Sebastian. Yeah. Sorry. Well, what, I mean, one metric that's, you know, very um, black and white is the suicide rate. And, yes. and, you know, modern Western societies have very high rates. You know, which they shouldn't. I mean, arguably they shouldn't. And, you know, in, in poorer societies, um, the rate goes down. And, and it's, you know, it's odd. I mean, it's odd. It's counterintuitive. And um, so so there's something about mo- modern sort of mass mechanized society, which provides us with a lot of predictability, a lot of ease, um, even wealth, that is not great for the human spirit. I mean, that's just that's clear just looking at the suicide rate. I, I think it's probably the same with obesity. Like you have all this abundance, you have all yeah. this, you can get whatever, whenever you think it's such a blessing and everyone's fat has yeah. diabetes and miserable. All right. On that happy note, Sebastian <laughs> Younger, I know you got a hard out. So I'll give uh, the book a plug freedom. It's available now on Amazon and uh, it's a very interesting tome. Thanks, Sebastian. Hey, thank you very much. Nice talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Interesting guy. Yes. I have an answer for you of why, hmm. why a good reason, not the reason, but a good reason why uh, Perfect Storm is so low rated on, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I got, you know, mostly negative reviews at the time or middling hmm. reviews or whatever. There was a glut, a glut of, uh, of um, disaster Natural movies disaster. in the 90s. And uh, Perfect Storm came at the end of that glut. Mm-hmm. Like there was Dante's Peak and there was, yeah. there was Deep Impact. And there was Armageddon and there was Independence Day. Even Titanic as a disaster movie. Like there were so mm-hmm. many because of the new advancements in CGI. And I think by the time a good movie like Perfect Storm came around, it was just fatigue. It was like enough with the disaster mm-hmm. movies and the CGI and things destroying things. Yeah. I hate it when they it factor sucks. in a bunch of other shit. I agree. Like, oh, your older brother was a shitty student, so you're going to have a hard time in my calculus class. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? How about we just it do it that way? on the merits of what it is? All right. Let me t- tell you about True Nigen. I used to need a cup of coffee to get through my day. Not anymore. There is True Nigen. True Nigen fuels the body's energy engines, maintains cellular metabolism, and supports Heart health as well. I have more energy. Don't need extra cups of coffee throughout this throughout the day. With eleven published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, True Nigen is a supplement clinically proven to boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. Um, I've been taking Trunigen since they've come on board, and I do not miss it every single day. Add more vitality to your life with Trunigen right now. New customers save 10% on their first purchase at Trunigen.com slash Corolla. Use the code Corolla, T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. Dot com slash Corolla, right, Dawson? These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, quick break. Come back with the news right after this. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. 
Give me the news with Grad. News with Gino Grad. Breaking viral. Weird crime protest politics. Give me news with Gino Grad. Stuff they saw on TMZ. Joe Biden. Kamala. Meet news with Gina Gino Grad. News with Gina Grad. As Brian alluded to a little while ago, tennis champ Naomi Osaka quit the French Open on Monday following its dispute over participating in news conferences. She revealed in an Instagram post that she's struggled with depression since 2018, plans to take some time away from the game. Uh, so her Instagram post, she's 23, by the way, she's the highest paid female athlete in the world. Uh, she said, I think now the best thing for the tournament, the other players and my well-being is that I withdraw so every Everyone can get back to focusing on tennis going on in Paris. Uh, Nike is speaking out in support of her, saying that, uh, you know, their thoughts are with her. We support her, recognize her courage and sharing her story. So are the highest. Yes. They must all be tennis players. I don't think they're WNBA or golf. It's not WNBA. It's no. probably not soccer. soccer. No, for sure not. You got the. You got. It's got to be tennis. Yeah. There might be some Olympians out there who got like endorsement. Money, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it must be her and the Williams and sisters. The, exactly. And that's... The, I, oh, UFC fighters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, cause some of the higher higher tier ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. The mainstream. Um, so the thing about this, and if you're not super familiar with the story, is part of your agreement for doing this tournament is you do press. But she's like super freaked out by these press conferences and it, it throws her off her game and she is she's terrified of doing it. She's, you know, very shy. She needs to take a chill pill. That's right. And she finally said before the tournament, like, I'm not doing it. Like you want me to play my best? I, I can't I can't do it and do these press conferences. So which is I think essentially breaking her agreement, so she's just not doing any of it. Hmm. And I thought that was interesting because at first you're like Eh, you know, do your job. But it's like, well, that's not her job. Her job is to play tennis. She gets 37.4 million bucks. More than Serena. Female athletes are the highest paid income. Yeah, all the yellow bars are tennis, and then Alex Morgan at the bottom is a soccer player. Wow. Wow, that's the sport, man. Fucking A. I I mean, 37 mil, not not too shabby. I want want Tessa to be an average tennis player. And how many of those names have you ever heard? Two? There's the top one, and then there's Serena Williams, and then after that, I don't know any of the uh, yeah. any of the names. Secretly, on there. the richest in the sport. Yeah. yeah. So she's out and uh, gonna get herself together. Uh, you know, things are coming back. We're you know, I have some concert news, some movie news, but people are still making those pesky Zoom mistakes. As things open back up, a mm. member of Canadian Parliament has once again been caught unawares on a webcam, according to CBC. William Amos said in a statement posted on Twitter that while he was taking part in a virtual session at the House of Commons, he urinated without realizing his camera was on. The <laughs> Quebec MP says he's temporarily stepping away from his role as parliamentary secretary and from his committee work so that he can get help. Why he is did it not elaborate for urinal. He did not elaborate on what kind of help, but last month he made headlines because he appeared naked on one of the feeds virtual question and answer periods because he claims he was changing clothes. So he might have a little uh, exhibition thing. He, he was just he real must terrible be, right? at his laptop. Well, how old is this dude? If he's 75 no. and chalking it up to No. There's a he's like a good-looking like I don't know, maybe early mid 40s. Pervert. 
Hey, where do you? Uh, I went back. I saw my first movie in a in a movie theater in a year and a half. Yeah, uh, saw Quiet Place too. I saw that too, and I enjoyed it. Um, had a little bit of a, the monsters. I got too familiar with the monsters thing, but I can, you know, that's something we can debate. But yeah. I, the top of my movie had John Krasinski at the top going, Hey, it's John Krasinski. I want to thank you guys for coming. And I'm like, what? Same. you're fucking this shit up because you're supposed to play the dad in the small town who's going to get eaten right, by the lobster right. monster. I, I don't want to see you breaking down the fourth wall mm. at the top, right as we roll into it. Right. I, I'm supposed can, to go into fantasy land. I'm supposed to go into John Krasinski. Who I, is, Sacrificed himself. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, I'm the guy from the office. Right. Like, I don't, well, I don't want that. I, I want, hey, I'm Mickey Mouse. Thanks for coming out. Right. Some fantasy character what, has nothing to do with that. What anyway. is that? How come no one uh, thought about that? That was in my theater, too. Wow. John Krasinski going, yeah, right before pre-roll, 15 seconds, you know. 15 seconds of neither here nor there because we're there. Mm. I, I didn't remember the gist was thanks right. for coming back to the movies or something, mm. but we're at the movies. We, we got it. Yeah. We got the ticket. <laughs> Go fucking outside and yell at people. Interesting. It was a little bit of a... A bump. A little bump. Like right before the movie started. Yeah, I don't want to see the guy breaking down the fourth wall. It's, it's good, it's good movie, his, Saying his name. Yeah. Well, let's see who else is going to pull that in their movie because I do have a list of movies, the big ones that are coming out in theaters mm. and streaming, but mostly mm. in theaters. Seeing commercials. Here we for go. Nine. Fast nine. Uh, that's on here. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Next. That'll be on June 4th in the Heights, which I'm very excited so about. June 11th. They held that for a year. Yeah. Show in theaters. Um, Usually, what is the height? It was a Broadway hit, runaway musical by Lin Manuel Miranda when nobody mm, knew who he was. Tony mm, Award winning across, mm-hmm. yes, across the board, and now it's a movie. Um, have you heard of Luca? Fuck yes. Okay, it's oh, this it's is a Pixar. Pixar movie set in uh, the Italian Cinque Terre. I've been to Cinque Terre. It's fucking sweet. It is great. Oh, okay, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious Nine, June 25th. Yeah, it is. Blo- oh, that's. Is that a pride poster? Because it's June. <laughs> I, I got it. Welcome gays. I got to tell you, I was looking at the poster, not this poster, but the poster that was up at the movie theater, and it looked weird to me. Also, John Cena is supposed to be Vin Diesel's brother, I think, oh, in, in this bit, one. They really do not. I mean, they, they their arms look the same, but other than that, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird looking, the poster. But anyway. It's Pride poster. I'm watching the shit out of it. Yeah, it's got a lot of lot of gay pride colors in it. Uh, Black Widow, July 9th. Oh, yeah. This is the one one I was looking at when you're on it in real life. Okay, look at... um, What's her name? She's got... um, Jean Rodriguez? No, above her, sorry. Oh, with the hair? Charlize. Charlize has... She has Ralph Wiggum's hair. She has Mo from the Three Stooges. Yeah. I think that's pure Wiggum. Yeah. I think it's Ralph Wiggum's hair. I was like looking at it. It's like, this looks so weird. You're right. I don't want to wear the rubber pants anymore. <laughs> Is that a Mary Tyler Moore show reference? Yes. <laughs> What's a diorama? You're right. Yeah. It was weird. And simple, it, when, simple Jack. When you <laughs> see it, yes. When you see it in person, it looks painted and strange. Ew. Yeah. Is it just, it's like they'll go to any length to try to make her lo- not look hot. Yeah. They'll cut off an arm and they'll make her look like uh, what's her name and monster. I feel like this is the movie where people can look hot. Yeah. I don't know why she's got to get the bowl cut. That is weird. It's weird. Anyway, uh, Black Widow forever. Oh, Black Widow. Sorry. <laughs> the 
Forever Purge. Mm-hmm. I think this is the final movie in the Purge series. The end uh, with its fifth movie. No official description. Plotline still relatively unknown. Uh, okay. Um, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Jeez. July 16th. This is rough. Jungle Cruise, July 30th. I'm secretly in on Jungle Cruise. This is a, that's a great trailer, and The Rock is always good. And this, Another, if, this is, if this is like Pirates of the Blunt Caribbean, movie. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could Jesse get into Clemens. that. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Wow. Uh, the Suicide Squad, August 4th. That's James Gunn. That's right. Taking control. Um, I, I thought about you, Brian, and how... How not nonplussed you're going to be with this one? The French Dispatch. What is oh, that? Wes Anderson yes. shit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson's latest film: Timothy Chalamet, Tilda Swinton, Saoirse oh. Ronan, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Wright, Francis McDormand, Elizabeth Moss, Willem Dafoe, Christopher Waltz. Everyone's many more. In this movie. It's a love letter to journalists. They're right. supposed to be in France. French journalists. Hope it's Charlie Hebdo. <laughs> is, Jesus. Is is he kind of like? John Waters with a budget or something like I Normcore John Waters. Yeah, there's something we're supposed to get, but I'm not really getting it. I'm trying to think of the way to put it. He's a parody of himself at this point. You know what I mean? Like the Wes Anderson formula, it can be parody, but it's being parodied by him. Mm -hmm. I I have no, I have very little time. I don't know if you saw the M Night Shyamalan uh, trailer in there. That seemed weird. I haven't seen it. But I'm selling my stock in M. Night. I sold my stock a long time. You know, when it's like you and it was just me and Sonny. Me and Sonny went and saw The Quiet Place, but A Quiet Place, I guess. But when you watch the whole M. Night trailer Mm -hmm. and when it's over, you look at each other and you go, I don't want to see that. Do we know what the premise is? Does it even. Yeah, there's a beach where you turn old. Okay. Uh, But I I feel. I, I feel like most the. Most of the trailers I see in the theater is sort of like being out front of a frozen yogurt shop, which is you just kind of look up and you go, well, I'll go in there. Mm-hmm. I'll see what they got. If that's what's might, here. Might be good. Yeah. I, I'm usually, I, I usually watch a trailer and go, well, I can see something there. Yeah. That M. Night movie, I was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not in. Yeah. Yeah. It was a clunky trailer. What was it? <laughs> it was about you go well, to like the beach you said, and you get yes, old. It was a don't be confusing. Is that through sun damage? Over the course of years. So the premise is a family on a tropical vacation discovers that the secluded beach they're relaxing on for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. Mm. Okay. Yeah, the trailer was weird, not scary. Yeah. Didn't make you want to see it. No, right. Did you see it too? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I pretty much had the exact same movie experience that you had, <laughs> judging by everything you've been talking about. Uh Paul Thomas Anderson's Soggy Bottom. That's the working title. Not much shared about this. It's a film set in the 1970s in the San Fernando Valley. Mm. Starring Bradley Cooper. That's September 10th. Mm. I'm in. Uh, uh, yes. I, 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 I've had such a deep love affair with Paul Thomas Anderson back in the day. And then uh, Inherent Vice came around and I, uh, we broke up. We broke up. But can't you give him another chance? I know. I, lo- I love his movie so much. 70 San Fernando Valley. Yeah. I love his Bradley movie. Bradley Cooper. I'm watching. Um, a movie I cannot wait for, September 24th, The Many Saints of New York, of Newark. Yeah. That is the prequel to The Sopranos. Uh, depicts the 1967 riots in Newark, New Jersey, the tension between the Italians and the black community. Uh, Dune, October 1st. <laughs> No Time to Die. Oh, that's Dennis Villeneuve. Come on. Yeah. All right. Oh, no Time to Die on October 8th. Uh, that's the 25th movie in the James Bond franchise, starring Daniel Craig, likely his last one. Halloween Kills 
October 15th, the sequel to 2018's Halloween once again pits Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, against Mike Myers. Ghostbusters Afterlife? This is supposed to be good. November 11th. Yeah. Uh, it's the upcoming installment of the franchise picks up 30 years after Ghostbusters 2 and follows a family that moves to a small town to discover their connection to ghost ca- the ghost catching business. Yeah. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts in the movie. Yeah, they kind of scuttled the, uh, the, 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 the last Ghostbusters movie. They're like, mm-hmm. didn't really didn't exist. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, November mm-hmm. 19th. I mean, nothing to say. We know. He returns 35 years after the original blockbuster to confront his past while training a new squad of graduates for a life-threatening mission. Did you see a trailer for this? This is before my quiet place. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Please. I watched the shit out of this. But I, I realized uh, I didn't get my Fast and Furious trailer. Oh, that oh, wasn't man. in my, my movie theater. And the last three, West Side Story. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up, it's December 10th. Of course, I am more than intrigued, directed by Steven, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Oh, so really? I'm very curious about this. I don't know this. why. Does Zendaya have to be in this somehow? Uh, Ains- like- Ansel Elgort, who mm. is a great I dancer. Like Ansel yeah. And uh, Rachel Zegler. I don't see Zendaya, but that doesn't mean she's I not in it. I just thought she should be mm. in she it. She should be in it. You're right. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home, December 17th, and The Matrix 4, December 22nd. Wow. A lot I, coming out this year. How was the last Matrix, Brian? The, the 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 third one was the weakest by far of the three movies. So this, I'm hoping for at least just above average. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, they're back. I'm trying to think of. Um, went to the theater. Didn't seem to be anything that different than. I think they were people were spread out a little they, bit. In my theater, they blocked out seats between either people Put, like, or Put, like, tape parents. over it or something? No, no, like, you couldn't buy them. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. if you wanted to shift over your car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I went with Kaylin. They would sell only two seats at a time. So Kaylin bought two sets of two seats, and we basically had, like, an entire row to us because uh, <laughs> all the other ones were blocked off. I got to tell you, uh, I like a seat. It's kind of interesting. I like a seat that has a little recline. Mm-hmm. But I don't need the full Barca lounger. It feels mm. vulgar to me. Like these ones, you pull a lever, I the, love foot, it so the much. foot thing kicks out. Oh, I love you know, it. You're yeah. splayed you're out. You're laying like, down watching a movie. You're laying down. I, I wouldn't be able to stay awake. Like you're an astronaut on the launching yeah. pad in that position. Yeah. And I have to kind of tilt my head up so I can see the yeah. screen because I'm looking and I'm like, this is too much comfort. Well, and don't you feel like you'd have to fall asleep? Like I think I'm a little narcoleptic when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little. Too I don't know. It feels disrespectful. It feels a little ugly American to me. Like it we're does. all just completely splayed bed. out. Like it's like, how long's this movie? Ninety-two minutes. I gotta lay down. <laughs> Can it make you feel better? Uh, mm. Comes from Europe. Oh, really? No, I have no idea. But I oh. saw it. Make you feel better. <laughs> it feels very ugly. I've to never me. been in a movie theater that had that before. The the full really no. Oh, oh, you're messing out, baby. I'm a I'm I'm a local girl. Where's a- this? AMC Prime, AMC Dolby Cinema. I always just end up at like ArcLight Sherman Oaks. Like I, I've I've never seen this. Oh, and then they're they're ones that bring you food. Okay. Uh, I pick. Yeah. What the? What took so long to get the booze at the theaters? Seriously, you know what I mean? Like theaters. I don't think they had them in the 30s. Like, oh, we'll get past prohibition, but I. Mm-hmm. I there was no booze in a movie theater unless you smuggled in your beer sure. bottles, like we talked about the aforementioned rolling right. down, down the aisle and everything. But, but there was no beer 
or no cocktails or no anything. And now it's pretty ubiquitous. Right. But it didn't seem to exist for a good 70 years. Yeah. My first two instincts are it promotes a, a rowdy talk to the screen crowd and you could be sharing it with uh, underage and they don't want to deal with the liability. Yeah, I, I, for one reason or another, but it's mm-hmm. it's game on now. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, if you have those drink tickets that I know you both love from Southwest, you're going to hold on to them for oh, a little while no. longer. Oh, yeah. American well, Airlines and Southwest Airlines have both postponed oh, a plan to resume alcohol sales. Well, if women would stop punching nice. each other uh, because there's been a surge in unruly behavior by passengers that have led to increased violence. I, I got to tell you, I am... Thinking about setting myself on fire in front of the airport oh. in um, in protest because yeah. I heard somebody I was watching CNN over the weekend. I think they were talking about this, and of course they get the we got to remove the booze from the planes, mm-hmm. and then they went and the airport, and I was like, not Whoa. the airport, bitch. <laughs> You fucking pry that scotch bottle out of my cold, cold dead, dead hands. hands. You got a pregame. Do not bring that shit into the airport. Yeah. You can do it on the plane. Fine. We'll get some travelers going. Leave the airport alone. Yeah. Yeah. So they're talking about. That's teetotaling. Doing it. You know, my feeling is, is uh, let's have, let's do a breathalyzer on these chicks. Sure. They may have been sober, just fucking duking it out on right. a Southwest flight. We don't know that it was booze-related. Yeah. That's right. That's like blaming uh, Marilyn Manson for uh, you know kids going crazy in high school. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the um, George Floyd thing, which is we go, oh, that was a hate crime. But it wasn't a hate crime. It was just processed as a murder. Right. They didn't even, we just, we just wove it in like, oh, these chicks are drunk and they're fighting on a plane. I don't know. Maybe they're just fighting on a plane. Right. Maybe, maybe they're not drunk. Well, remember, I told you that a flight attendant got two teeth punched out from Sacramento. I know. Just from a hop, skip, and jump Sacramento to San Diego. So y'all can thank her for that. Do you guys always feel this way about people get their teeth punched out? How good were your teeth? Mm, how strong were they? Chick how sturdy? Had, chick had an open hand. I don't know. I want to know. I don't want to speak to your dentist, but no one deserves a good punch in the face. But would that happen to Tony Robbins? Oh, absolutely. You'd break your fist. You'd fucking break your fist and go home crying. That's right. All right. Let me tell you about uh, Air Medicare Network. Health insurance doesn't always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you could get hit with substantial co-pays and deductibles. Plan ahead. In emergency, Air Medicare Networks, networks, I should say, of highly trained crews provide air medical transport to the nearest, most appropriate trauma center. With an Air Medicare Network membership, you pay no out-of-pocket expenses for the flight and... AMCN membership covers your entire household for as little as 85 bucks a year. Secure your financial peace of mind. And as a listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card with your new membership. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash Adam. Use the offer code Adam and uh, get that e-gift card. Airmedcarenetwork.com slash Adam. Adam, we have the uh, video of the fist fight there. Mm, here we go. It's a poor little kid. Oh, just she's just throwing haymakers. 
Shirt comes up. Too late. She's bleeding. Look at look at the flames on it. She took a sharp right overhand. It's always the back row, people. I think the new plan with what's going on in the flights is you have to pick the diverting airport, too, as part of your flight plan. (laughs) Oh, really? If shit goes down? Yeah, like you go, well, I'm flying to Chicago, but we couldn't land in Denver if shit goes down, so I'm going to arrange a rental car. You know, this is an advance. This is a 47% chance we could divert. Well, it's affecting flight patterns. You know what I mean? It's like, I got to go a little bit north so I can get to Wisconsin. That's true. Green Bay. All right, let's bring it home, Gina Grad. You got it. I'm Gina Grad, and that's the news. I'm worried more about my looks than about reporting. Gina, Gina, that was the news with Gina Grad. Well, like when you're going to New York and you're sailing along the Canadian border, Mm -hmm. Brian will tell you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that not established? All right, let me uh, tell you about about apartments.com. Apartments.com. We've been doing everything from home, working from home, exercising from home, schooling from home, wishing we were anywhere else on the planet from home. Oh, it's ironic, but true. With all this extra time inside, we've realized how important it is to make sure our place is the right place. Apartments.com, the most listings, apartments, houses, townhomes, condos. Oh, I wish I had apartments.com when uh, I was young and looking for places as a swinging bachelor. What a pain in the butt it was. And now there's a hero known as apartments.com that has entered our lives with powerful tools like 3D virtual tours. You can explore your new place from exotic locales like your pantry or powder room. Apartments.com, the most popular place to find a place. All right. I want to thank uh, Sebastian Younger for zooming in and then calling in. And uh, his book, Freedom, is available now on Amazon. And you can go to amcurl.com for all live shows. Golden Colorado's coming up. Buffalo Rose, June 18th, 19th. Anchorage, Alaska. Raleigh, North Carolina. Minneapolis. Acme Comedy Co. Just go to AdamCurl.com for all that. Crank Anchors on tonight, 10.30 on Comedy Central. Until next time, Adam Curl for Gina Grad and Sebastian Younger and Bald Brian. Say it. Mahalo. You don't lie to people. I don't care if you just started this job. You told my wife the wrong thing, and you could have just said you don't know. Follow the Adam Carolla Show on Twitter at Adam Carolla Show. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Carolla. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744. Catch Gina Grad on the podcast, Easy Listening with Drew Strasser. And Paul Bryan on the film vault. The rest of us on the water cooler. And pick up tickets to see the Ace Man. Get anything you need and everything you want at adamcarolla.com. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? 
bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com.